Hey friends, we hope that this service blesses and inspires you. If you're interested in finding out any information about Olive Tree, um, our service times, our sites, life group signups, midweek connections, um, or where we serve in the city, if you want any of that kind of information, just head on over to our website. You can find it all really easily on there. We'll be going straight into a preach, and we hope that this blesses you as you listen today. Enjoy. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit unless it remains in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Don't build your house on the sand. Build it on rock, a firm foundation. I am your foundation. I will give you rest. I will give you peace. Let my mystery draw you closer, and there you will find all you need for the hour. There you will find all you need for the day. Look to me, and I will guide your every step. Turn to me, and I will show you how to live. To walk as I walked. To pray as I prayed. To love as I loved. To remain in me as I have and will remain in you. Oh, pretty, hey. Morning. You know what, I'm, I'm, preaching, I'm preaching to a lot of ninjas, so um, what, what I, we just need to create a little bit of vibe, otherwise it just feels like I'm preaching to a wall. So I, I heard some young adults turn to each other, they were introducing each other or saying hi to each other, and they said, and the one said, how are you? And the other said, I'm large. <laughs> so just turn to someone and just say, I'm large. <laughs> if you're a lady, you can't say it. Say, I'm small. Oh, that was pathetic. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the sermon. I am preaching about fasting today, uh, but let me, let me tell you how this whole thing came about. I was uh, watching The Chosen. If you don't know what The Chosen is, it's a, it's a crowd-funded series, really phenomenal series on Jesus' life, and, um, and it's, it's so good that uh, I've got non-Christian friends who have devoured it. Like, it's just really, really good. So uh, I was watching, and I realized as I was watching that, um, that the disciples were doing things with Jesus that uh, we don't do anymore. And, and as I was, I was watching, I, I watched how Jesus would wake up in the morning and begin to pray, and the disciples around him would pray for him, pray with him. And I thought to myself, we, we miss out on so much of God because we don't do the things Jesus did. And if you think back to the historical context, to be a disciple meant that you were giving your life to be like your rabbi. And so those disciples, they would watch him, 
They'd watch him when he woke up. They'd watch him when he said grace. They'd watch him when he finished a meal. They'd watch him go to the toilet. If you watch me when I go to the toilet, I'll put a law case against you. But uh, he, they, were, they were watching everything he did so that they could be like him in every way they could. The whole message of Christianity comes alive when we do what Jesus did. And so I, I saw this, and, and Justy and I went away. By the way, Justy's gone for a little jog. He's doing that Iron Man thing. Uh, and uh, so he'll be coming in just now. Uh, but whilst we were away, I just said to him, we need to do a series that kind of looks into some of the habits of Jesus. And so today, fasting. Now, I know there are some of you, some of my mates, who have been eating a lot of pies and McDonald's and you're excited for fasting. But uh, I, want, I want to submit this to you. We are not looking to lose weight during this series. We're looking to put on weight. We might lose some physical weight, but we're going to put on some spiritual weight. And so this series is, is, is going to be about challenging us in some of the spiritual disciplines that I think God wants to challenge you. And you would have had one of these. You get this? When you open me, uh, look at you. Some of you already, oh, no, you can open it, don't worry. But uh, this, is, this is a gift from us to you. Um, it, invests, it shows you the three weeks. Week one will be on fasting, and so we'll speak about that in a moment. Week two will be on Shabbat, and, and we'll be asking you to invite people into your homes and have dinners with them. They can be Christian, non-Christian, and we'll teach you how to have a Shabbat with them. And then there's a, there are a whole bunch of prayers. If you open this thing up, you'll find a whole bunch of prayers, a morning prayer, a midday prayer, an evening prayer. Some of you haven't prayed that much in, your, in a year. Anyway, we, we've got prayers. We've got peace prayers, confession prayers. We've got the creed. These prayers, we're hoping you'll pray throughout the day and that this series will really bless you. Today, you're going to be filling in this little thing. And I think this thing's brilliant because it's a fridge magnet and you can't eat. So every time you look at the fridge, you're like, ah, nothing. Uh, but you're going to fill in what you're going to fast. And uh, I'll be talking to you a little bit about different things that you can fast in a little while. But to get us into this, I asked another friend of mine, another pastor, to, to give us a few minutes on fasting because this guy leads the charge in this area. Um, they have a, like a whole prayer room. Their church is, is always praying. So watch Wayne speak to us a little bit about fasting. Hey, Olive Tree family. It is so good to be with you guys. And I hope that you are all well and blessed and strong even through these crazy days. Hey, I am so excited to hear that you are doing a new series called Remain. I think it's going to be significant for the city, for your church, for everything. I'm just pumped about it. And I'm really honored today just to share a few thoughts with you on the spiritual practice of fasting. So when I became a Christian uh, and entered into the church world, I didn't know anything about the church world. And I discovered this, there was this thing called fasting, that Christians do this thing called fasting. I didn't even know Christians fasted up until that moment. And I tried fasting and it was so super hard, I just stopped. I was like, no, this thing is, this is for super spiritual people. This is not something that I can do. And in fact, our church had an annual fast at the beginning of every year and I used to dread that thing. I used to like try and avoid that thing, duck that thing, maybe miss a few Sundays. I did not want to be a part of that thing because fasting was super hard. However, I started to grow in the word and my understanding and eventually I started to notice something about fasting. I noticed that fasting 
was something that got results. And I'm a very results-orientated person. I like to know if I'm gonna sacrifice something, you know, in particular, in particular my food, you know, my hamburgers and my jujubes and my lint chocolate. If I'm gonna sacrifice, I wanna know that there's gonna be some reward at the end of it. And so, in particular, we know of this church in India, they were facing a really difficult time with their land and their buildings and government officials and many difficult things in their church, spiritual attack on their church. And so what they decided to do, because they're Indian and super spiritual, they decided to go on a fast as a church. The whole church fasted together. And guess what? They didn't do three days, 10 days, 21 days, or 28 days. They did 40 days of fasting as a church because they're super spiritual. And at the end of 40 days, they had seen tremendous breakthrough. Finances were starting to come in place. Things were starting to happen in the church, but they weren't satisfied that they had seen everything heaven has for them. And so they pushed on for another 40 days. <laughs> Can you imagine that people? 80 days of fasting. And guess what? Again, tremendous results, okay? They were just seeing breakthroughs and more finances coming in and, and, and regulations changing in their favor. But at the end of 80 days, they still were not satisfied that they'd seen all of heaven on earth. And so they called for another 40 days of fasting. All in all, 120 days. At the end of 120 days, they had received everything. They had all the money. They had the land in their name. They had breakthrough in their church. And you know, when I heard that testimony and, and, and saw that, I was like, mm, I think maybe I can, I can do this thing called fasting. And so as a family, we were going through a bit of a difficult time, so we decided to do a three-day fast. At the end of those three days, we saw incredible results. I know business people now who fast three days every single month in their business. And what do I see in their business? I see the blessing of God, I see favor, and I see breakthrough. Stuff's happening in their business. So, and so what I noticed is fasting gets results. That's what I noticed as a young Christian. But Olive Tree family, this is not how we should be thinking about fasting. And this is not how I want you to think about fasting. You see, fasting is not something that we do to manipulate God to get what we want from Him. Fasting is not something we do as a recipe or a formula for breakthrough. Fasting is not something that we do to get the attention of God. I want you to know, Olive Tree Church, that you already have the attention of God. You already have the, His full gaze upon you. You are His sons, you are His daughters, and Jesus has made access for you to go before Him and have audience with Him and stand before that throne of grace. And so fasting is not something that we do to manipulate God by starving ourselves to finally get His attention. No, fasting is a way that we can build and express our faith. Because when I go to the Word, one thing I do notice is this, is that it's not fasting that moves the hand of God, it's faith that moves the hand of God. I would even say this, prayer doesn't move the hand of God. It's prayer done in faith that moves the hand of God. You see, Jesus said this in Mark 11, He said, when you pray, believe that you shall receive and you will receive. He was very careful to tell us to put believing in the act of prayer. In James chapter five, we're told that it's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. Not just the prayer that heals the sick, it's the prayer of faith. You see, faith, we're told by Jesus, is a thing that can move mountains. Faith is what he accredited to all his miracles. Faith is what opened the eyes of the blind, is what raised the dead. Faith is the thing that releases the provision of heaven on earth. Faith is what we need to see 
the results of heaven coming onto earth, the provision of God flowing in our lives. And fasting is a way to build our faith and express our faith. How does fasting build our faith? Well, fasting, when we're fasting, we're denying ourselves of all our other lovers. Food, lint chocolate, jib-jibs, hamburgers, steak, coffee, whatever it is for you, okay? We're saying no to all of the things that the world offers us in terms of comfort, and we're saying yes to, the, to God. And so fasting puts our attention, by saying no to all these things, it puts our attention on God, and that's what builds our faith. You see, fasting doesn't get God's attention on us. We already have that. Fasting gets our attention on God. You know, if you touch my food, you have my attention, okay? And that's what fasting does. So not only is fasting a faith-building exercise, but also it's a faith-expressing exercise. It's a way that we say, Father in heaven, we believe that you are good and your plans for our life are good and that the things you have said of our lives are gonna come to pass. And so when we're fasting, and by denying ourselves of all our other loves and turning our attention to God, we're saying, Lord, we believe that earth can be different, that heaven has more for us, that heaven can, uh, your promises can come into our lives, into our businesses and into our families. Fasting is a faith building and faith expressing exercise. Fasting done right can build our faith and can, we can see tremendous results. So Olive Tree family, I just wanted to encourage you in that. My heart has changed towards fasting. I now actually enjoy our annual church fast at the beginning of the year. And I want to encourage you to incorporate fasting into your life, into your spiritual disciplines, into your family, into, into your business. And as a church, when your leaders come and tell you, hey guys, we're going to do a fast, don't slip out the back door and start looking for other churches, all right? Engage, go through it, discover it. It is beautiful, it is powerful, and you can see tremendous results when your faith is built. I want to leave you with that. May you have an amazing time through the series, and I hope to see you sometime soon in person. Yeah, so cool. What an awesome human that is. So, so we decided what we're going to do is we're going to fast for 120 days starting tomorrow. <laughs> ah. But we are going to fast for two or three days. Three for the very spiritual for the rest of you. Okay, so, so two days, Monday and Tuesday. Or you can choose the other two days, but we're going to fast food for that, and then I'm going to speak about what else we're going to fast. Now, when I was prepping, because when you preach a message on fasting, it's not like the most inspiring thing to preach on. There, there are easier ways to grab a person's heart than tell them to fast, um, because already some of you are hating me because I'm touching your food. But I was thinking about who I should use, and I thought, I'll preach about Esther, because Esther, for such a time as this, calls everybody to fast, and then Israel, or the Jews, get saved. And then I thought, no, let's not do Esther, and I thought, let's do Ahab, because Ahab was the worst king that had ever lived. I mean, he was a disaster, but he fasted, and God forgave him. I thought, that would be appropriate for lots of you. And then, and then I thought, uh, I was looking through, and Job fasted, and his family was protected up until a moment, but there was protection there. And, and as you go through, you see all these people who fasted and got breakthrough. And then I thought, no, I'm just going to go really simple and look at a teaching of Jesus about fasting. And it comes from Mark 9, 14. So if you're taking notes, you can grab this. Um, the scripture's on the screen. It says this. When they returned to the other disciples, so one group had gone away, and they come back with Jesus, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. 
What's all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Now just, just pause for a moment. It's like the spirit in this kid is causing a violent fit over there. And Jesus is like parking off, how long has this been going on? He's like the kid's fitting. You've got, you got to like wonder at Jesus, asking questions about the diagnosis before he actually deals with the thing. It's important that we ask these questions because Jesus is trying to not just give that boy a present, he's trying to give us insight. This is what's going on. Anyway, it carries on. It says, so the father says, if you can, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Jesus goes, what do you mean if I can? Jesus asks, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. I don't think he spoke in New Living Translation version. I think he used New King James version, which, which says, Get, come out, you deaf and mute spirit. Because like, if you were to say this, it would be awkward whilst you were trying to cast out a demon. Listen, you spirit that makes the boy unable to hear and speak. The demon will be, what do you say? Anyway, let's carry on. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And he stood up. Afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by fasting and prayer. There's so much going on in this text. But I want you to just get into the, the dad's heart in this. Just imagine, because I can imagine, my boy's 10, I, I can imagine him having fits. Year after year after year after year. And I, I can imagine bringing my boy to the disciples and expecting the church to be able to sort it out and, and nothing happens. And I can imagine Jesus coming along with an authority that you've never seen in your life before. People, it said in the beginning, it says they, they saw him with joy and awe. They're scared. Jesus walks into the room, you're scared. They see him and imagine Jesus coming up to you and before he's even said a word, your boy starts a fit. You know something's going on. And Jesus asks you a question. You're so terrified. I don't know what he said. He, he must have been struggling to concentrate. And Jesus is calm. 
And then Jesus just says to deaf and dumb spirit, come out. And in that instant, your boy looks like he dies. Can you imagine the father's, I mean, you're terrified as a dad. You, this is your boy. You, everything inside of you is probably crushed in this moment. And Jesus still calm. He reaches forward, he grabs this kid, he says, come up here. And you see your boy free for the first time in your life. You, you know, that man must have wept. The grace of Jesus, it'll, it'll leave you weeping. But there's, there's so much going on in here. See, uh, there's some texts that I read, and I wonder if Jesus is just having a grumpy day. You know, because sometimes you and I, we have grumpy days. Some, some, some of us have like grumpy months. But he, he, is Jesus having a grumpy day? Because he rebukes the disciples for their lack of faith. Then he rips into the poor dad, because he says, if you can. Jesus goes, what do you mean if I can? Like, Jesus, it seems like, is frustrated. And Jesus starts by speaking about their lack of faith. And then it's like he changes his mind and starts speaking about their lack of prayer and fasting. Do any of you notice that? Like, go, what's going on here? Did Jesus get it wrong? Like, was it faith? And then Jesus went, no, no, not faith, it's prayer and fasting. Good question. Glad you asked. So, so here's what's going on. Jesus is not confused. He's not second-guessing himself. He's saying the same thing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith, that's how you get it. The way you grow it is by exercising it. It's like everything in the kingdom. It's, it's like everything in most of your lives. It's just not my life. If I keep exercising it, it just gets smaller. I, I don't know what's up with that. But, but in the kingdom, everything you exercise grows. When you're praying and fasting, you are exercising your faith. Here's why. Because today, when you're not fasting, you're going to eat and depend on food for sustenance. Tomorrow, when you're not eating, you're going to not eat, and you're going to turn to God and pray these many prayers, and you're going to shift your sustenance from food to God. That's called faith. That exercising their faith through prayer and fasting, and when you exercise your faith, you grow. Now, you know, in the Bible, often you have different gospels seeming slightly different. And the reason for that is not that the Bible got it wrong. The reason for that is if I finish preaching this sermon, and there's a husband and wife couple who are here, when you go home, Somewhere down the line in the car or something, you'll say to your spouse, you'll say, what did you get out of that? And, and they'll tell you one version of the sermon that you don't even think you were there for. Any, any of you remember that? Yeah. And, and you'll have a fight about what the sermon was about. Like, that's normal Christianity and couples. Here's, here's what's going on. We hear different things from a sermon to meet our spiritual need. Matthew writes a different answer to Mark, probably because Jesus spoke for a long time, and they each grabbed different things out. So where in Mark, it says, this only comes out through fasting and prayer, same question gets asked, and in Matthew, it says, Jesus answered, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, 
If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Now, when Jesus tells them that, he is standing at a mountain that Herod moved. There were two kind of mountains next to each other. Herod goes, I need that one over there. All of you oaks, move it. And it gets moved. They're like looking at this and going, but I don't have Herod's power. I don't have Herod's money. I don't have Herod's ability to kill people. And Jesus is going, but if you've got faith, if you've got spiritual power, it trumps physical obstacles. If you have any, just a minute amount, a mustard seed, there's a minute amount of spiritual strength, you can shift impossible physical obstacles. Now, if Christians believed this, they would stop arguing with their bosses and start praying for their bosses. If Christians believed this, they would stop spending tons and tons and tons and tons of money on medical stuff and spend tons and tons and tons of time on their knees. If Christians really understood this and believed this, they would, yeah, they'd invest in personal development, but not to the extent that they invest in personal development. Instead, they would invest in their spiritual gifts. If Christians believed that spiritual, a minute amount of spiritual power was way bigger than gravity, they'd be investing. We'd be investing in spiritual power, which is why we need to fast. I was, I was thinking about this and I thought, I'm not going to get anybody to do anything if they don't believe that a little bit of spiritual power can shift mountains in their lives. You see, I, I realized if you don't believe something works, you won't do it. So this, uh, this week, um, my kids came to me, and uh, my boy had got 80% for a test, and my little girl, Gracie, had run five kilometers. So our deal was this. If Geordie got, 50, uh, got 80%, 50%, so not that dwarf. Uh, if he got 80% for his test, and Gracie ran 5Ks, they would get a yes day. Anybody seen the movie Yes Day? If you've got kids, oh, actually, yeah. <laughs> if you have Netflix, you've watched Yes Day. Okay, so, so Yes Day is the deal, is that the mom just has to say yes to the kids all day. So, so we believe in judgment and reward. That's basically what we believe in. Our Heavenly Father rewards and judges, so we've got carrot and stick. And so we went, you go for it, kids. If you get this, you got a yes day. So they find out that there's snow in the berg. They find this out on Wednesday. So they say to us on Wednesday, Dad, there's snow in the berg, can we go? Now I know that on Friday night I've got a bright seven, but I can leave at 4 p.m. on Thursday, drive to Underberg, get to the snow, come back. So I get snowboards, I get everything organized, we jump in the car, four o'clock, up to Underberg, spend the night, shoot out, First to Sony Pass, not much snow there. So we go to Drack Gardens. We get there, and there's snow over there. Now, bear in mind, my kids haven't been in the snow since they were very, very small. So, so I say to them, guys, it's over there. Do you want to go? So they go, yes, Dad, we're going. So I said, okay. And in my mind, I'm picturing that I'm carrying two kids back. 
on my back. But anyway, I go, let's do it. We walk six and a half k's, and we get to this cave, and, and, and we realize, probably another k and a half. We walk another k and a half. And when we get there, there is, don't tell them, it was more ice than snow. But anyway, it was white. So, so I decided, right, the best thing I can do is just get there a little bit earlier than them and start building a snowman. And then when they come, I'm just going to like throw as many snowballs as I can at them. So I load them all up. They got there. We pelted each other with snowballs. We, we got ice down our backs. It was wonderful. It was amazing. Then we walked back for 8Ks. I went for a little swim in a, in a waterfall. Ooh, it was cold. Anyway, the point is this. My little girl is eight, led the charge. Because she believed that if she could get to snow, it would be worth it. If we can get a church to believe that if we get spiritual power, we can move mountains, anything will be possible. See, The only thing I have to do today is get you to believe that spiritual power trumps physical power. If I can get you to believe that, we can move some mountains in our lives, which is my goal. The reason I believe Jesus was so stroppy, and this is why this matters so much, is because he was leading a community who were going to have to to face bigger challenges than this demon. You see... You must imagine, Jesus knows he's going to a cross. And he watch, he's watching and testing the disciples the whole time. And in this moment, they don't have enough faith to deal with this demon. And Jesus is not frustrated with them. He's urgent about them getting there because the challenges they're going to face tomorrow are a whole lot bigger than this demon today. Jesus is letting us into how he's thinking, not so much for for them, but for us, because lots of us didn't make it through COVID, and we think, we think that that's okay. Jesus would be going, no, it's not okay. You need to strengthen your faith. You need to get on your knees. You need to fast. You need to make sure that you're strong, so that COVID too, whatever that is, when that thing hits, you've got the oomph to get through it. This is what's going on in the text. Jesus is urgent. But what I love so much about the text is that the dad comes to Jesus and he's desperate and he's going, yes, Jesus, I have faith, but it's really small. Just help me with my unbelief. And in that moment, grace trumps faith. See, because faith is important, but love is greater. And here's what you've got to know is even if you've got very little faith. See, some of you came here today, you got dragged here. And... uh, and when you got dragged here, you, you were listening to the worship, and Estelle started speaking, and you thought, yo, that chick is fiery, yeah? and, but you lifted your hand because you got very little bit of faith. And if you just use your tiny bit of faith, and if you just prayed a little prayer, you unleashed maybe a speck of spiritual dynamite, but it will change your life. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, you don't need big faith. My grace will cover you, but I still want you to grow. I want you to grow in your faith. I want you to take this seriously. 
But if I'd been a disciple in those days, I would have been really frustrated. Because um, Jesus, Jesus never fasted with them, but he rebuked them for not fasting. Jesus only fasted once. All right, it was 40 days, which is kind of impressive. But, but he doesn't fast again with the disciples. And yet he rebukes them for not fasting. I would be going, hang on. Jesus, you haven't fasted with us. Why are you tuning me? In fact, when Jesus fasted, he didn't fast for a breakthrough. He fasted for a temptation. I want to help you understand something about temptation because what the Bible says is that Jesus gets led into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days, 40 nights, and he is very hungry. And then Satan comes to him. I just want you to know this. It's when you're very hungry that Satan comes to you. When you and your wife, one of you sleeping on the couch when Satan comes to you. When you're really lacking sleep, that Satan comes to you. When you are hoping for and it hasn't come through, that's when Satan comes to you. And Jesus deals with Satan differently to how Jesus deals with his own body. Jesus deals with Satan with the word. Jesus deals with his own body by fasting. Now, guys, this is, this is why this is important. Some of you are getting taken out by Satan because you haven't looked after you. The way you looked after you was you just satisfied the flesh. During level five lockdown, that pantry just went. <laughs> you went, I see it, I eat it. It's just how it's going to be. It's, it's in the way if it's in the cupboard. It's just, I satisfy my flesh. I just give my flesh what it wants. I want to watch some TV. I'll watch a little bit of that. Watch a little bit of this. Don't worry about what I watch. Don't worry about We just feed it, feed it, feed it, feed it. And then... Satan comes on the day you're hungry and you don't stand a chance. See, when I got saved in a Pentecostal environment where they were casting out demons and all kinds of very strange things were happening, in that environment, if you preached about fasting, everybody was amening you and going for it, but you guys looked like you saw a ghost. They were excited because they knew there was power in it. But in our day and age, we don't do anything that doesn't make us feel comfortable unless it makes us lots of money. Friends, if you want to live a victorious life like Andrew's talking about, you've got you to go back to some old school stuff. You've got to give up some stuff. You've got to say, no, little Johnny, you can't have that today. No, buddy, I'm not giving you that. I know you really want it tough. I'm in charge, not you. Yes, I know that tastes good. Nah. Yes, I know you want to watch that. That's not good for your eyes. No. You've got to start taking some control. Because the fasting is the preparation for the temptation. The word is the weapon. Jesus was prepared through fasting. He was weaponized through scripture. You, you need some both. Which is why this next little series is going to be really good for you. Okay, last thought. And then we're going we're gonna to start you fasting. You fast to grow your faith. You fast to overcome temptation. We fast to get intimacy with God. Jesus is having this conversation and he says, dudes, don't fast to be seen by men. So here's the thing. On Monday and Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, when you fast, don't fast so that everybody around you knows that you're fasting. 
Why are you looking so sad? Because I'm fasting. The pastor told me to. The scripture says, you just make yourself look good. Ladies, put on the makeup. Guys, just hide it. Just go for it because you want to be seen by God, not man. Here's what the scripture is saying. Fast stuff for intimacy. Now, if I preached this message 10 years ago, I would have told you just to fast food. I am way less concerned about your food intake than I am about your social media intake. I, I think the thing that most people struggle most to give up is Wi-Fi. It, if we are, uh, I think some of you can go five days, no food. And about two hours, no Facebook. Like, there's, there's got to be a shift. And so there's a little page here. I'm laughing so hard at every time you're about to open the fridge and it says, no food, no Wi-Fi. Here's why it's important that you cut it for a season is because when you cut it for a season, you're saying, I am not gonna fill myself on that junk. I'm gonna fill myself on this. And the only way you're probably gonna make space to be able to do this is if you starve that. And church, I know, we've got some worship guys, come up. I know that if you begin to fast the stuff that's distracting you, for some of you, you're in a space of addiction addicted to porn, you're addicted to chemicals, alcohol, you're addicted to stuff. And if you will begin to fast, what's going to happen is the grace that forgives you is going to start empowering you. You're going to go, I'm not even going to get to the computer. I'm not even going to get to the screen because it's turned off for five whole days. And you're going to starve that thing that is mastering you and in that space, you're going to start to feel this power growing. And as the power grows, you're going to wake up after day six, and you're going to go, flip, I don't need that thing. Some of you are going to be delivered through this week. Some of us is going to be a fight for a while, but if you will keep taking control over your own body, the grace of God will empower you to say no, and you'll start to feel power. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As this worship band sings over you, those beautiful words, I want you to take this little piece of paper that you're going to stick on the fridge. I'm laughing. There's some big boys here today. I don't think they can go without food for more than an hour. But there is something that can go in here. I'm going to fast Instagram. I'm going to fast that codependent Orkies relationship that we've broken up, got together 12 times in the last three months. I'm going to fast cryptocurrency. I want you to just wait and let the Holy Spirit speak to you because I bet that he's got something that he's going to put his finger on. And as you begin to go, Okay, Holy Spirit, I'll let that go for three days. He might say five days. 
might even say seven days, but watch what he will do in you. So they're going to sing over you, and I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you in this moment and go, I want you to fast. Dress is a lily, beauty and splendor. How much more will he clothe you? How much more will he clothe you? If he watches over every sparrow, how much more will he love? How much more? If he dresses a lily, beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? How much more will he clothe you? If he watches over every sparrow, how much more does he love you? How much more does he love you? If he dresses a lily's beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? How much more will he clothe you? If he watches over days, no food, unless you've got some medical condition, and then something else, whatever else God puts in your heart for the week. And when we come back here, hungry and free from something, we're going to worship God next Sunday, and I'm going to expect power to move amongst us. I pray God blesses you this week. I pray that you feel the sustenance of Him. And here's what I just want to say before you go. Every time you get hungry, make sure you fill yourself with something else. One of these prayers in here, 
a word of God. Take out a moment. Just go spend some time with God. The focus must be what you displace with. Make sure you're filling yourself with God. May God bless you as we're hungry together. It's been good being with you. Have a fantastic Sunday. Join us outside after. God bless.